Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Hello and welcome to another Giant Splash podcast. I'm Henry Schulman, the Giants beat reporter for the San Francisco Chronicle. My guest today is team president and CEO Larry Baer. He speaks to the Chronicle for the first time since he returned from his suspension for a videotaped altercation with his wife Pam in a San Francisco park. Larry talks about his suspension, how he feels he used the time away to become a better person and CEO, and what he heard from the community. We also delve into many baseball issues. Potential changes to Oracle Park, Farhan Zaidi's first year running baseball operations, the search for a new manager, and much more. We'll get to that right after this. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Welcome back to the Giant Splash. I'm Henry Schulman, uh, the Giants beat reporter for the Chronicle, and I'm here with Larry Bear, the president and chief executive officer of the Giants. And we have a lot of ground to cover. We're going to talk about a lot of stuff related to the team, uh, the ballpark, uh, the job Farhan Zaidi's doing. Bruce Bochy's final games, um, all sorts of stuff like that. But this is the first time we've had a chance to talk to you since you returned from your uh, suspension on July 2nd. And um, I just wanted to know, first of all, uh, it's been close to three months now. Uh, have things returned to normal, whatever normal is, uh, within the front office uh, in, in, in terms of uh, you know your day-to-day work and, and the things that you're doing? Yeah, Henry, I, I think they have in large part. And that's really, I think, just great credit to my colleagues at the Giants have been extraordinary. Uh, the Giants board has been extraordinary. Uh, and it's been a, a process that, quite frankly, I think it's been a, a resetting process that has been um you know, it was important. Obviously, huge mistakes were made and um wish the incident never happened, but it did. And um, I think we're all stronger for it. Most importantly, our family is is doing really well, Pam and the children. And, um, you know, I, I would say that we're stronger than ever. And that's obviously the most important thing. That's the highest priority. Uh, in terms of the Giants, things are uh, things are going really well. I don't feel like we we missed much of a beat at all and and uh we're we're powering through we'd love to be uh, surging into the into uh the world series uh and that may not happen this year but i think we've taken important steps this year um you know you made it clear when you came back that um you were going to be 
visible as you were before, maybe other people in the organization, some of the uh, executive vice presidents who uh, sort of took over your day-to-day roles would be a little more visible as well. But you have seemed to uh, taken a bit of a lower profile. We did see you out on the field when you re- announced that Will Clark's number was going to be retired. Uh, I'm just wondering, first of all, um, you know, it, it was was there any, I think it was the first time you were on the field for something like that. Was there any apprehension or nerves at all about how you might be received? You know, I, I have to say when we first came back into the ballpark, Pam and I, and the, and the family, um, you know, I, 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 didn't feel it because I've been out in the community and people have been wonderful. So I didn't feel like there would be anything walking to the ballpark. You never know. Um, it's been an amazing supportive family inside the ballpark. Uh, in terms of taking a lower profile, I, that was intentional. Um, I felt that the most important thing coming back July 2nd was to re-engage with the employees, re-engage with all my colleagues, uh, listen, uh, get up to speed, and uh, and you know, also honor the work they've done. And there's been a lot of work that they did while I was away and they continued to do. People that, uh, um, you know, the vice presidents, et cetera, uh, many of whom I, I worked very closely with. I have worked closely with for 20 years plus. I think of seven or eight of my direct reports, it's been 20 plus years uh, that we've worked together. So uh, kind of feel like we, we have a, we've had established a good rhythm and that rhythm uh, has returned in a, in a really good way. And you know very well that there was a lot of speculation that uh, when you returned, you would not return with the same authority. Uh, I think people like to uh, euphemize it by saying that you'll have your knees cut out from under you. You'll be back, but you won't be, uh, you won't have the power that you did. And, and now Rob Dean and ownership does have an office at 24 Willie Mays Plaza, which I believe is a new thing. Uh, what has been the dynamic, um, between you and Rob? Um, and has anything changed in terms of um, your day-to-day running of the Giants? I have to say not much really has changed. You know, I'm president and CEO and I'm one of five board members. Um, what I think maybe a lot of people didn't know is that Rob, as sort of the, the head of the board uh, chair, if you will, uh, was always involved before this, before March of this year, was always involved as our other board members. And I think Rob did an extraordinary job as, as uh, interim CEO. And, and as such, he's, uh, uh, you know, continued had exposure to things. We continue to talk that that happened before it's happening. Now uh, there's a lot to do going forward as we redo the team. And as mission rock uh, comes online and all the, all the exciting things in the future, all our initiatives. So uh, it's, it's really very little change. Um, but Rob's engagement is fantastic. Uh, he's, you know, he's at the ballpark more than he was, but not, but it's really hasn't changed the communication. Um, we're all very connected. The board's very connected. Okay. And, you know, they, you uh, did undergo some counseling, which I think was mandated by the league. Um, and we did have um, a sort of background conversation uh, a little while back. Um, and, and you told me that um, aside from the counseling, um, you did a lot of conversations with the community uh, outreach. Um, if you could just talk about both parts of those, um, starting with with the counseling and what you think you actually got from it. Um, 
and and then and the community outreach why that was important what exactly that entailed and what you got from that well i think you know we've been i'll just speaking for myself i you run hard for it's been 27 years in this role and starting out with peter mcgowan and with bill newcomb and and then myself as as ceo managing partner etc um you run you run pretty hard and sometimes you don't really hear things like you should, and you may not have the empathy as you might. Um, I love the community. I love people. I love bringing joy to, to people. But you also have to really be a good listener. And I think that the time away allowed me to meet with some key community groups and people I respect in the community. And and listen, not necessarily in a counseling set, uh, setting, although there was counseling involved and in that I felt to be very productive, but to, to listen and to understand, you know, how, how people are being perceived. I learned how I'm being perceived, um, the good and the bad. And it was, I, I found it to be very energizing and enabling and empowering. Uh, and, um, and a, a time for self reflection, which, you know, in life, you don't necessarily have a chance to do. And I've, I've been doing something that I've loved and from going to games with my dad on the bus to Candlestick to watch Willie Mays as a youth. Um, it's been sort of more than a job for me. It's been more of, it's more of a, passion, a mission, a crusade. And um, when you get so into something, sometimes you you lose a little perspective. And I feel like I've come back as CEO with, with it gained a lot of perspective. And I think that's good for not just myself personally and my family, but I think that's good for the organization. Now, we can't go over weeks of uh, conversations that you had, some of which I imagine were private. But, um, you know, maybe you could pick one or two things that you learned about yourself that for, on the good and maybe one or two things on the bad. Well, I think on the on the good, um, you know, I, f- I find that we have just a, you know, I, I talk about myself being passionate about the Giants. You know, when I was away, uh, I, I just see how everybody else is passionate about the Giants. So this isn't necessarily something about me, but this is something that I just I just want to point out because I just it's the, the the energy and the, the commitment and the love within the Giants front office, within the Giants family. And that goes all the way through to people that work at the ballpark, the ushers and the guest services and the ticket takers and the vendors. Um, in terms of something um, I learned about myself is that, uh, you know, I I. I believe I'm an empathetic person, but I don't always show it. And I think showing that empathy and making yourself vulnerable in ways that you may not just in the normal course of life, because you get, because the day-to-day rat-a-tat-tat just keeps you moving, but kind of taking some deep breaths and and taking, taking things in um, is, is something that uh, I wasn't doing and that I, um, that, uh, uh, you know, that I've, I've now doing. So that was something sort of on the, maybe on the bad that I've, I think, you know, I've, I've recognized and something on the good is that, um, you know, there's a lot of love for, for the giants in the community. And sometimes, you know, if you have a season that's a losing season, say like last season was, and you say, Oh gosh, what do people think about the giants? There's a lot of love. I mean, people are, it's not just wearing the caps and the shirts, but, um, they're making memories. Uh, I'll never forget at one of the parades, 2010, Brian Sabin leaped over to me. And, and you know Brian, he's a very hardcore baseball guy, but underneath it all, very uh, big heart and sweet person. Uh, and said, leaned over to me, people in the, you know, million people, whatever, at the, at the stage at City Hall. And he said, 
you know, this isn't about winning and losing baseball games. This is about making memories, people making memories w- with their family. And I, uh, and that deep, deep seated love for the Giants was a good thing I saw when I was able to, you know, walk down the street on a Tuesday afternoon at noon in a way maybe I wouldn't if I was uh, back at the office. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I do want to just uh, go back to uh, one thing about the uh, actual incident that was taped. Um, you know, we with with the Me Too movement, and there, there's a lot more um, sort of visibility uh, about the issue of domestic violence. And, I mean, I think different people have interpreted uh, the word violence differently. Um, you know, it was clear from the video that uh, when you know, when Pam fell to the ground, it was not something that you did on purpose. Uh, it, it just happened that way. But the, the question I, I really have for that is, did you gain an understanding uh, during the process about why this was such a big issue um, to to people in the community uh, and, and why some people um, who have seen the video um, you know, were probably not as quick to forgive you as maybe others might have? Well, the answer to the question is yes. I, I gained an appreciation for interpretation and triggers and people's experiences and honoring that and listening. And as I said, in, in, I wanted to make sure that anybody in the Giants, inside the Giants family that wanted to talk with me about it, I, we had a, 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 a get-together at the Giants and I invited people to come talk to me and a couple people did who about their own experiences, not in a way it, it was it was an incredibly supportive amazing session and so I, what what i learned is that you know people have interpretations and and i hold no uh, ill will grudges etc uh and i think i've come uh, come through this stronger as a person uh understanding that and gained understanding of of how people might interpret um you know something like this and and uh, and most importantly, the family has come through, you know, in a, in a very strong, strong way. Okay. Uh, I mean, did, did any employees, um, I guess the word, what might be vent and, and tell you why it upset them? That wasn't really what it was about. I, employees talk about their, talked about, some employees talked about their own experiences. Okay. And that was, a, and, that, and that was, I think, a really awesome interchange where we were able to, you know, um, have a, have back and forth and and a, a really you know sort of good heart to heart and you had some private conversations as uh well one-on-one conversations as well as the big uh, staff meeting i yes. believe okay uh well thank you for for talking about all of that uh we're going to move on now to the future which a lot of giants fans are are interested in just first of all could i get your general feelings uh on the season as a whole uh, we're coming up on the final week here well, I think it's been a season where we've taken some steps and it's been, you know, Farhan has done an excellent job uh, coming in at a tough time with, you know, this, this, you know, incredible recent history and coming in from the outside and honoring the history, but also being an agent for change. And that's a, that's a tricky, that's a tricky balancing act and um, putting his team together. And obviously, there'll be more of his team will be unveiled as we we go into the preparing for the 2020 season. So I think that you could call it a year of transition if you want, 
we did not we didn't come in with low expectations for the season per se and you know we had the stretch of what was it 19 and 4 something like that in July where um you know saw that in there there was a there was a will to win and and you know and uh, once the team more coalesced so i think it their valuable steps have been taken this year and i, I feel like if in a, you know as you're, as you're as you're building the house the you know an important foundation of the house of the architecture of the house was laid in 2019 and um you know you had as farhan said from the very beginning as you said from the very beginning you're going to try and win and play as much meaningful baseball as you can in 2019 with an eye toward the future um you were in a playoff position you decided to uh you as an organization decided to trade three um key relievers two key relievers and and drew pomerantz who you know, ended up becoming a key reliever in Milwaukee, uh, and you got some uh, terrific prospects back. Uh, I think I think everyone knows Jalen Davis. Uh, everyone knows Mauricio Dubon, who's been fantastic. Most people don't even know about some of the the other prospects you got in these deals. Um, but uh, the bullpen has been an issue since the team has had a downturn. Since is there any regret in the front office about making those deals and? Um, you know, getting to the point where you are now, probably another losing season. Uh, no regrets. In fact, you know, in that sort of, you know, uh, preamble, we should also say that we decided to keep certain players too, right? So there was a lot of speculation about Madison Bumgarner, speculation about Will Smith, both of whom had, you know, generated considerable interest. So, uh, no, I mean, I think that, you know, Farhan, I have no, I have no different feeling now than I did the day after the trade deadline, August first, when he was largely lauded outside and inside for the job that he and his staff did, um, threading the needle and getting prospects that will be should play meaningful roles, as as you mentioned, but also, um, you know, take, being able to keep some key players to take a shot. Um, it was, uh, it, it, it was a tricky situation. And, but we feel like going into 2020, we don't, we, we're, we're have some wind at our back now with some additional, you know, depth. And now we're, so I, so there are no regrets at all. Yeah. We're down to uh, three starts for Madison Bumgarner. Um, can, can you say if you've begun any kind of contract discussions with him? Uh, we've, I think Farhan has had ongoing d- discussions with his representatives, throughout the 2019 season. So I characterizing them, I don't want to get into, you know, what is or isn't being discussed, but, um, you know, I, I know they're, they've kept open lines of communication. Okay. Uh, and, you know, uh, whether you sign him uh, or if you can't sign him, there are some other free agents out there. Garrett Cole is one uh, that comes to mind. Um, there are going to be some free agent starters out there who uh, are going to cost a considerable amount of money. That includes Bumgarner, whether it's short-term or long-term. Um, Farhan's history in Los Angeles uh, when he and uh, Friedman were running the team is to not give out those kind of contracts, particularly to pitchers. In fact, I I believe the only two big contracts they've given to pitchers are the extension for Kershaw, which was three years at about $95 million, uh, and Kenley Jansen, who re-signed for about $80 million, and I even heard that you know that was more of an ownership desire than maybe even a front office desire. So I guess the question is, um, 
the expenditures, the outlays that you would have to get for a that kind of pitcher, whether it's Bumgarner or Cole or anybody else on the market. Um, do you think that is still possible given whatever financial uh, considerations you have and whatever considerations Farhan might have in his belief on the um, wisdom of giving out contracts like that? Well, I, I mean, I think it's more the what you're referring to on the latter than the formal former, meaning that it's not so much, hey, do you have the money for player X or the money for player Y? And, you know, how much does ownership want to spend? It's more how does Farhan and the staff want to bake the cake? Mm-hmm. Right. And the way you bake the cake, uh, the way he's been successful baking the cake is doing doing a lot from within making strategic moves when they make sense, you know, and as you mentioned, Kershaw got re-upped when he was very much a part of that at the Dodgers. So, and those are, you know, that was a top of the market contract. So it's not about being averse to spending money, but how do you really want to put the whole thing together? And when you think about it, when the way it was put together 2009 on when we when we won uh it was put together pretty much internally and we would we would you know complement with free agent signings uh a, a little bit mainly signings at the break at the at the at the trade deadline so i i see it i see it more as farham baking the cake with with depth and with um you know looking at, at current players and what we have in the farm system and acquiring the farm system but it's it's going to be up to him he may come back i mean it's no secret we did pursue Far- uh, Bryce Harper with Farhan as the t- chief baseball executive and um you are uh, maybe going to pursue some hitters it's always a possibility hitters have not wanted to come to Oracle Park uh under its various names um I, I heard of one small adjustment. It was, to, not, any, it was not more hitter-friendly at AT&T Park. Or than Bell it was Park. at SBC, <laughs> yeah. Um, the one I did hear about one small change. A, a season ticket holder who had seats up in the uh, left field corner of the club section said that those are going to be taken out and uh, some sort of bar is going to be put in or some sort of uh, uh, kind of gathering spot. So we're playing around with a lot of ideas. That is not official because we haven't made the decision to do it but that's being looked at there's a a number of things obviously with the bullpen mounds uh and moving the bullpens and then there's so it's all kind of comes to goes together under um you know a a, i think an exciting you know sort of 2.0 era for our ballpark for oracle park and what does that mean that means that There'll be more as, as habits change, and one of the things we really feel we need to do is have our finger on the pulse of the of the of the consumer, right? And the consumer in 2020 is actually different than the consumer was in 2000, and definitely different than 1993 uh, when we started the, this our ownership group. So we see Henry uh, a, a a sort of a you know kind of you retool the ballpark. Some we introduced the ballpark pass that's been very successful, where people can come and go as they want, and you buy a monthly subscription. So that's in today's world of Amazon and today's world of how people are consuming uh, the physicality, the ballpark changes to address it as well. Will we see significant changes uh, in 2020 in regards to where the bullpen mounds are and the dimensions of the ballpark? I would say on the former bullpen mounds, most likely, um, again, this comes down to architecture and it comes down to design and what we can do and, and the is that we're pleased with and, and we feel is going to you know, serve the team and serve the fans. But I would say on the first part, yes, in, ter- in terms of dimensions, um, I think that the, some dimensions may change, but I don't think the view is going to be 
bring in the fences to bring in the fences to make it a hitter-friendly ballpark and do do anything in the extreme. I think that there 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 would be as a result of some of the work we do, there could be some some changes in the dimensions as well. But um, and how it's it's unclear um, you know how extreme that'll be or how uh, how you know material that'll be but uh, you think that the fans coming to the ballpark for the final six games if there are fans who just really love the triple uh should probably say goodbye to the 421 foot sign uh i don't think they should say goodbye to the triple or the triple alley. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't think no, because I think the triple is a is a spectacularly exciting play, and it's been a signature of the ballpark. And um, I don't think there's any desire in our four walls to get rid of it. And so, whatever four twenty one becomes, if it changes, um, I don't. I think the ballpark that the major sort of thrust of the ballpark will not change in that respect. Okay. Uh, you mentioned the consumer, um, as we reported earlier uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, for the first time, uh, you lowered season ticket prices. Uh, I think mostly, uh, most of the folks, uh, except for those who yeah. have charter seats and have yeah. contracts. Um, was, was that a difficult decision? You know, it was the lowering, it wasn't a difficult decision to lower season ticket prices. It was a decision that um, we, we sort of all just kind of got our heads around and said, our fans have been, we've had this amazing 20-year run with our fans. And we finally hit, hit a speed bump where we're two to three years of not winning. You, however, however you want to calculate it. If you want to calculate it at the starting in the second half of 2016, if you want to calculate just because we did make the playoffs in 16, so if you want to say 17 and 18, and that's not been the Giants' DNA. You know, if we had a losing season, we'd bounce back. Um, this year, we we may end up. We'd have to you know win pretty much all of our games to get over 500. But we, but let's say we're, we're we don't get over 500 this year. That is something that we all said. Hey, look, we kind of feel like we have a contract with our fans. And if we're taking a little bit of a dip, that happens in professional sports. You know, newsflash, you're not going to be in the World Series every year. I mean, in Boston, they actually have a, a – here in Boston, they actually have a positive a, – you know, winning record. And you think the team was in, you know, 25 games deep into mired in last place. So um, it's all a matter of expectations. We know the expectations are high. And if we don't meet them by getting – into uh into playoff contention then you know we we think we should adjust and i think more than anything it's a it's a it's an acknowledgement that fans have a lot of choice with their with their resources and it's acknowledgement that hey you know we get it we understand got the message you know we didn't have a, a you know this year we we didn't get it to where we wanted to get so we're going to um we're going to give you a break next year and um, the fans who come next week, and I imagine attendance will be pretty good, especially that last weekend against the Dodgers. Uh, they're going to be there to say goodbye to Bruce Bochy. And uh, are we going to see uh, some really kind of special things uh, happening next week? I mean, we've seen some, uh, you know, videos on the big scoreboard uh, that you guys installed with, uh, you know, some various people saying goodbye. But are we going to see some, uh, you know, maybe some uh, old friends coming back, uh, old friends of the Giants coming back to say goodbye to Bochy in person? I think we could. I think we could have. I think we could have some magical moments and you know and that's again it goes back to the statement about the 2010 parade about you know creating memories i mean i think frankly when i walk away from the ballpark uh, on next sunday or a week from sunday the 29th after the last game against the dodgers there's gonna be a lot of of emotion i think i'll be uh, i'll be kind of a jolted with the the feeling of um this was an incredible. The Bochy era was just an incredible 
time. It was last night here at the ballpark, and I happened to get off the uh, the bus with uh, Mrs. Yastrzemski, uh, Mike's mom, and uh, and then Mike's maternal grandmother. And that was a magical moment to to see them walk in the ballpark and then see her embrace her son on the field, and know what the the family memories were like. So, I think people will come. In this, the, the, our goal is to to embrace that those feelings and honor the the people that want to come and and uh, pay homage to to Bruce and the era that he was you know essentially captain of the ship through three world championships and um, you know, we never had one and we had three uh, in his era and that people want to um, you know maybe be with family and loved ones especially that last day Sunday the 29th and 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 um, reminisce. A lot of people want to see Tim Lincecum there, the recluse. Any chance? I don't know. I don't know, Henry. We've, have you located him? No, we have not located him. We uh, he was he was he was spotted in San Diego at a wedding. Uh, it was like the Loch Ness monster. <laughs> well, I read. I read. Was that was that your reporting? That was that exclusive reporting? Frosted tips? Uh, no, that was not me. Okay, uh, somebody a, somebody reported frosted tips. You, you, did you get beat, beat I think on that, that was scoop? Social, I think that was social media that reported that. <laughs> um, you know, speaking of the man, we shall see. Speaking of the managerial situation, how is the search going? going to work uh in the in the past i mean with bochi and felipe uh there really weren't a lot of people interviewed uh, i think that even with dusty going back i mean this was not a major process uh do, does farhan does farhan excuse me uh you know have some people in mind uh to to bring in for interviews do you think it'll be a long process uh, I, I don't know about long i can't really say long because that's you know that's a, a function i remember when um we hired Farhan and I had to go out and do this a year ago uh, on for the GM. Uh, you know, Farhan was with the involved with the Dodgers in the playoffs and that was the month of October. So, you know, depends. I mean, is there somebody that we're looking at that's involved in, with a playoff team? Then that could extend it for sure. Um, but the way it'll work is, I mean, pretty clearly, you know, this person is going to be the key interaction for, for the manager of the team is going to be with the general manager, with the president of baseball ops and, and the staff. So it's, that's really the first line is Farhan's going to go out and develop a list. He may have a list in his mind, but uh, that's going to probably most likely stay in his mind until the season's over. Um, and and then, um, you know, just like we did with Farhan, he'll he'll go through the vetting process and then eventually, you know, the board and, you know, we'll all look at it and and um, and, um, you know, and he'll surface a, a recommendation. But I, I, I can't say whether it'll be long or not. Um, I'm very proud of the fact that in 27 years, now of this ownership group going into year 28, we've had three managers in 27 years, mm-hmm. Dusty, Felipe, and Boach. And they've been, uh, uh, you know, one of them was a, had never been the manager before. Two of them had experienced. Um, and so I don't think you can, I think it could go either. People say, well, it's going to be somebody who's managed, somebody who hasn't. Questions, I think it could be either. And it's we have a, a you know a, a, a situation that I I do think in terms of long I think you know yeah it's our way that when we land on somebody we want to stick with them that's I think the stability of this franchise having you know Brian Sabian do what he did for the for essentially twenty. 23, 24 years, and um, the, the stability of the franchise is, is that is one of our sort of pillars. Okay. And uh, the, the last question, just moving forward, uh, as we stated earlier in the podcast, uh, I think the mantra for this year was play meaningful baseball as long as possible and make moves for the future. 
what do you think the mantra for 2020 will be? Would it be this is this is a time we need need to make the playoffs? I, I, I don't measure it quite that way. I mean, I think we every year we want to contend for the playoffs, but I think you know, the, I, I think take yet another step. And I think it should be, a, you know, a, a, a large stair step. And I think we took a large stair step this year. Next year, it's a, it's another large stair step, and I think it's on all fronts. I think it's on it's it's being a you know a contender for the playoffs, being in contention, but it's also being you know the with a somewhat changed ballpark, with new leadership on the field, with a uh, you know with with a, a really renewed energy. I mean, the my the way I measure it is what's the energy around the Giants, and I think the energy this year was a lot better than it could than than you know many people forecast, and I think it'll be much better next year. So you know, at times two in terms of the energy around the franchise uh, because we have a lot of other things going on with the franchise that are exciting. And, um, you know, I I measure it more as to how do people feel about the team. And I feel I feel like it's it's good now and it'll get much better next year. Well, thank you, Larry. Uh, we do appreciate that you took a half an hour uh, to talk to us about all of these issues. And uh, we wish you good fortune the rest of the season. Thanks a lot, Henry. And look forward to talking more as we uh, go through the offseason. Thank you for listening. We'll have more Giant Splash podcasts as the 2019 season ends and the postseason begins. Giants Double Play is part of the San Francisco Chronicle Podcast Network. Audrey Cooper is Editor-in-Chief. If you like this show, please subscribe, tell a friend, or give us a review. You can support Giants Double Play and a lot of great journalism with a subscription to the Chronicle. There are print and digital editions. You can find out more at sfchronicle.com slash subscribe. If you want to find me on Twitter, I am at Hank Shulman, or you can email me at hshulman at sfchronicle.com.